In these harrowing times, three women step forward to expose the ridiculous and untrue stories bouncing around the internet and the world. Basically, a feminist librarian, geologist, and public health expert walk into a bar and discuss the stuff that we know is a little off the center of true. This is The Triple Hoax. When she isn't talking with Bess and George for the triple hoax, Nancy is a public health professional with an MPH, Master's of Public Health. She also majored in human biology in undergraduate. Her interests include feminism, dogs, ice cream, and the Americans on FX. Librarian by day, podcaster by night, Bess enjoys long books and forced snuggles with her cats. She has a degree in books, her master's in library and information science. She's a walking, knitting, cardigan-wearing, cat-owning stereotype. Hello all, I, George, bring a background of general science, specifically a degree in earth system science, specifically dirt. I like rocks, there I said it, okay? I have used my dirt knowledge to educate underserved kids about how awesome nature is and what we need to do to mitigate climate change, and I am very passionate about environmental justice. My hobbies include reading, writing, One Direction, and memes. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Triple Hoax. Uh, welcome back from a bit of an absence. We apologize. Uh, I'm Nancy. I'm Bess. I'm George. And we're here again to tackle another mystery. And this, this episode's mystery is how will climate change kill us? Because it's mm-hmm. not if or when, but how. <laughs> it surely is how. It surely is how. But before we jump into that, we can do a little bit on the fact that this is our 10th episode. So Yay! That wasn't good. Let me try that again. Woo! (laughs) Yes, woo indeed. (laughs) We made it to our 10th episode, and we're really happy that everyone stuck it out with us. Yes, Um, thank you. Can we have have a a moment of look back and some of our favorite moments? Clip show. <laughs> well, welcome back from those clips. We hope you enjoyed uh, the highlight of our nine previous episodes. Yes, we've come so far. So we are going to hopefully be back into the swing of things with episodes. Life got in the way. We had holidays. We had surgery, surgery, and illness. So um, yeah, we're we're gonna do less of that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> and uh, we'll be back on track to do our next ten episodes. Woo! Woo! Yeah. So today's uh, topic is how will climate change kill us? Most, not most, all credible scientific people say that climate change is an impending and real threat to human existence. 
Um, I mean, technically, it's not impending anymore. It's here. It's here. Right. Yeah. Thank you, George. Uh, <laughs> and do you also want to give our listeners like a kind of a synopsis if they've been living under a rock of what climate change entails exactly? Sure. Um, so climate change is the uh, human impact. Well, okay. It's a little more complicated than that. So there's climate change can happen naturally as part of the earth cycles. But what we're experiencing right now is an acceleration of climate change due to direct impact of human activities, which includes mm. the burning of fossil fuels um, yep. and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so we're basically using the earth's heating system against itself. Yeah, basically. And from what I understand or remember from like sixth grade science, basically what happens is um, certain industrial things that we do like driving cars or burning fossil fuels in general or factory output um, messes with our ozone layer and those gases mm -hmm. also get trapped in the ozone layer, which mm -hmm. um, basically the whole earth is like a big greenhouse and mm -hmm. you mess with the, the house part, the structural part protecting us, you can magnify the intensity of the sun's rays on the inside which is what we're doing, and this increased yeah. temperature. Well, it's, you're, you're close. Um, it's what it does is that uh, when the when sunlight comes into our like in through our atmosphere and then tries to escape again, there's so much of those chemical or not chemicals, but um, elements and gases there that it traps the heat from uh, being released. But that's that's science <laughs> yeah sure yeah thanks um yeah so that's what it is in a nutshell if you needed a refresher or didn't know now you know mm. um so i picked this topic because um i went to the public health um the yearly com conference for public health professionals this year in atlanta and every conference that they have each year has an overarching topic and this year's overarching topic was climate change. And I was very moved and very, um, like, I felt really, concerned. like, strongly and concerned, um, especially after hearing our, um, our, our keynote speaker um, speak. Uh, she is, I'm going to pull up uh, info about her. She um, is the uh, head of Indigenous Climate Action. Oh, wow, cool. An indigenous-led climate change initiative and this is from their website it says indigenous peoples are on the front lines of both climate impacts and climate solutions indigenous expertise is internationally recognized as a tremendous value necessary to mitigate and address climate change nice. um, indigenous communities I, I'm skipping ahead but it says indigenous communities and knowledge still remain under resourced and underutilized leaving a lack mm -hmm. of recognition of sovereign indigenous climate strategies mm -hmm. um, they work to close this gap and ensure indigenous voices and knowledge are included by creating tools and resource resources specific to indigenous communities Wow cool. yeah so she came and gave a talk um, and her name is um, let me make sure I don't uh, Say the wrong thing. Um, Ariel Chowkiwi Derringer, and she's from Northern Alberta, Canada. She's a member of the Athabasca Chippewa Chippewaian First Nation. 
Okay. Um, and her people feel the direct impact of the Alberta tar sands. Oh, oh. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so for people who don't know, um, Alberta tar sands, um, it's this way of uh, extracting oil that's incredibly yeah. wasteful and damaging to the it's environment. Yeah. It's the dirtiest way to extract oil. oil or natural gas, whatever, from the earth. Yeah, and it, it's not <clears throat> sorry. It's not efficient at all. It's very high cost mm -hmm. and yes. high damage. But um, the concentration and purity of the oil there is so good that they it's worth it. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So um what she basically had to say was that not only is it destroying the land that her people have lived on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, but the, um, and, and they live off this land still because they're so remote that they're what's called a fly-in community. Yeah. So you can mm -hmm. only reach them, uh, by airplane. Um, so they rely heavily on their environment because they can't, you know, go to target or something mm -hmm. so like they are impacted by the fact that tar sands um excavating or however you call it um kills off animals and plants that they need to eat um and yeah so, so that's one way that global climate change is going to kill us yeah <laughs> the destruction of the environment to obtain fossil fuels not yes. just the fossil fuels being processed yeah. Um, this is going to be like an inception episode because there's just layers and layers. Like it goes deeper right. <laughs> so, in the ways that it can kill us. Right. And so then because of how, um, because they're losing mm. food sources, they have to go to the one grocery store on the whole reservation. That's like in a gas station. Yeah. And mm, milk is $18 a gallon and white bread is $7, like a loaf. That's not even good bread. Yeah, no. exactly. Um, it doesn't so, give you any sort of like nutritional value. Right. And and actually, mm -hmm. um, First Nation peoples have the highest concentration of diabetes in any mm -hmm. population in the world. So those are like mm -hmm. the worst kinds of things you could be giving them. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and most Native people, um, maybe not all, but most are lactose intolerant. So like they they shouldn't be drinking cow's milk either but they mm -hmm. don't have any other food source they're being forced into eating western food um and then she talked about how also the presence of people who of outsiders who yeah. you know don't uh respect or see first nation people as human beings <laughs> just to say human beings right um they're victims of a lot of violence because of it um, Especially yeah. Native women. Yeah. Yeah. Missing and murdered Native women. Right. So it's a ripple effect. Um, mm -hmm. When you go to try to access these fossil fuels, you disrupt the health and well-being of an entire community and yep. contribute to global climate change, which impacts all of us. Mm -hmm. So um, she was a really great speaker. I was really moved by her, and that's kind of inspired me to pick. I knew that we had this topic on the books as what we wanted to do, but mm -hmm. she inspired me like to bump it up the list. Yeah, yeah, bump it up the list for sure. 
Um, and then when I was writing my little blog post for our blog, um, the Keystone Pipeline had a 5,000 mm. barrel leak. Woo! That was a great so idea. I, I um, actually, speaking of pipelines, um, I had a project in one of my classes <clears throat> where we could pick, um, it was an environmental legislate policy class. Right. And so we had to pick a bill or create a bill that we would um, either amend or write, like, mm -hmm. and like a legit bill. <clears throat> and uh, that was when um, the, oh, the um, Standing Rock was still yeah. happening last year. Right. And um, so I decided to write one about pipelines. And I actually found this article where um, it was like uh, HLN or something like that. Some It was reputable. They actually um, went to the Department of Energy's website, which they and the Department of Transportation regulate pipelines. Right. Um, and they actually, and this is public knowledge, you can go look at it whenever you want, but they keep records of every single pipeline incident in the United States. And so this this um, pub, this publishing um, or this online article, um, they mapped every single pipeline explosion or spill oh God. In, in America in the contiguous, no, was it just the contiguous US? I can't remember, but... Um, it might have been Alaska too, which is a biggie for yeah. uh, oil drilling, even though President Obama um, <clears throat> signed that thing for the Arctic Circle. But um, I can post it for y'all yeah. on the thing. Um, I can't find it right now. But there have been a lot, <laughs> and there have been a lot of deaths also yeah. or injuries yeah. related to it. So, yeah. um, and water is contaminated. That's oh point. yeah, for sure. And it's just wildly mismanaged. Like there's no firm, there's no firm regulatory body to stop yeah. them from using these lines until they're fully fixed. They're just right. recommendations and guidelines. There's nothing to stop it. So that's like from what Nancy was saying. Like if you go in and you contaminate the source of where you're getting the fossil fuels, and then as you transport them you're destroying more and yeah. causing more damage. So I guess it would be behooving me to walk through really quick, like how the pathway that climate change takes to impact our health and eventually mm. fall off. Yeah. So, um, that would be a good place, place to start, I think. Yes. So I found this um, diagram that I'm going to post on our page, but um, it's just a model for how it happens. So um, in this model, it's, it's five squares with like a square in the middle that says exposure pathway. And mm. the, the three squares around it are things that feed into how you're exposed. And then the bottom square is health outcomes. So exposure pathways are extreme heat, poor air quality, reduced food and water quality, changes in infectious agents, and population displacement. Okay. So these things occur because of increased temperature from climate change, precipitation extremes, so extreme weather like hurricanes or extreme mm. cold or yeah. uh, typhoons or droughts. Um, or, or precipitation extremes is like flooding, so too much rain or too much mm -hmm. snow. And then the next one on the list is extreme weather events. So that's hurricanes, droughts, mm -hmm. 
or hurricanes and typhoons, I think. Okay. Um, and then sea level rise. Yes. So, yes. That's the biggie. Yep. And so that leads <coughs> to extreme heat, poor air quality, so on, what I mentioned. And then those, all of that becomes a health outcome. So the health outcomes are health related, il- or sorry, heat related illness, which makes sense. Cardiopulmonary illness, so heart and lung illness, that comes from the air quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then food, water, and vector-borne illness. Right. So, um, like, agent, microbial agents or any kind of disease that is in food that's not good, um, any contaminated water, like the oils, oil in the water, or vector-borne disease. So vector-borne diseases... Um, like malaria is transported by mosquitoes. Mosquitoes would be mm-hmm. the right, and, and the, the air the quality. Last, the last oh, go thing, ahead. It's okay. The last thing is mental health consequences and stress. So, yeah. anyways, the ways that a climate change disrupt people's lives that leads to stress. You mean us living in an existential hellscape? Yes. That is our guest, by the way, is the palpable sense of fear <laughs> that we all feel. Yes, that's our special guest today. Yes, that's our special guest. Um, Um, Especially, I was going to say, with air quality, going back to like pipeline spills um, and refineries um, for our natural gas and oil, um, like drastically increases the cases of asthma and cardiovascular diseases. And then um, wherever there are spills from pipelines, the methane and other gases, some of them can be very very bad for you. They um, they can affect whole towns or mm-hmm. the local wildlife populations. So it's it's bad news bears. Yeah, and then like this diagram is also saying that when you like have these climate change things happening all on their own, when you also um, factor in social and behavioral context and environmental and institutional context, um, those things can amplify or make climate change more um, intense for people. So if there's a change in how land is used, when the ecosystem changed, when eco- infrastructure gets better or worse, um, like geography can impact um, whether or not you feel these changes, and then, like, of course, agricultural production and livestock use. You so, can't like, see it, viewers, but I have a manic grin on my face <laughs> because I'm trying really hard not to cry. Anyway, Aww. keep going. Yeah, <laughs> and then so we all are. Best. Yeah. So the most vulnerable. So the social and behavioral context is important because. Almost 90% of the time, 99% of the time, the people who are the most heavily uh, feel the most health consequences from climate change are those who are the most disadvantaged um, Mm -hmm. in society. So age and gender, the youngest and the oldest, and um, typically women because they already feel detriment like in the context of society. Mm -hmm. Um, race and ethnicity so people who are disadvantaged in their culture poverty um, housing and infrastructure so places that aren't well built and don't have like especially housing like air conditioning like Mm -hmm. lack of air conditioning um, uh, faulty pipes for water Um, education so like knowing like not to burn 
uh, certain materials inside your house. Mm. Uh, I know that's a big in indoor air pollution um, is a really big problem. In it's school. not regulated. Right. And so, and people try to cook in their traditional ways, but they don't have safe ventilation to do it. And so they it uh, damage their indoor air quality. Um, and then of course, um, so just education, um, access to care and community health infrastructure is pretty obvious because if there's nothing there to help you with your child's asthma attack, then your child may die of an asthma attack. Um, yeah. And then any health conditions you already have, um, they're going to be like, if you already have diabetes, having a heart problem is not going to help you. Right. Um, mm -hmm. It'll just be exacerbated. Right. So anything that was already crap uh, in your life, climate change is not going to help. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And um, one of the things that I thought was an interesting misconception that I didn't even think of until I saw a diagram online was that um, climate change is not being fueled by high population countries because most of the high population countries in the world are um, traditionally colonized developing nations that um, don't use most of the world's uh, elect, um, power Fossil fuels. Yeah. It's a first world, quote unquote, first world countries like ours that are doing the most damage. Yeah. Potentially with the exception of China. China oh, is yeah. technically considered developing and they are doing a heavy amount of damage to the environment. Yeah. But they're doing better from what I've heard um, than they have previously. They're, they're taking real action well, um, with climate change. And this article I found said that the people, the, the, the countries that are going to have to step up and make a huge change are actually countries in Asia and Southeast Asia um, because they are the ones that are contributing the most to it, but also because, like, Western countries are smaller and in the case of the u.s we're not doing enough so that the the asian countries have to take take on the most yeah i think it's time for a game feel like we need to name the reality tv show that best represents this topic oh boy our oh. favorite escape reality tv is that the jingle is that, that is mm -hmm. i love it mm -hmm. i love it <laughs> All right, since you suggested it, George, you get to go first. Crap. Oh, boy. Oh, I know. Um, what is it called? Uh, chopped. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why do they have to do the crazy stuff while they're cooking? Yeah. No, hey. that's Kitchen Nightmares. That's it. No, no, no. Kitchen Nightmares is the Gordon Ramsay show where he goes in and he's oh, yeah, failing right. businesses. Oh, no, no, no. That's it. That's it. Gordon, that's it. Kitchen Nightmares. This is Kitchen Nightmares. With, I with wish Gordon Ramsay would just yell at us until we fix everything. Gordon Ramsay is God. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay comes in and he's like, what the fuck have you been doing? <laughs> we are an idiot sandwich, Gordon. Yeah, that's true. We are. I uh, That's too on the nose. I would uh -huh. be Survivor, but... Yeah. That's, that's also too on the nose. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's in poor taste. Um <laughs> I have to think some more. <laughs> I am going to say that this topic is best represented by 
Big Brother? <laughs> yes. Actually, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, <laughs> um, did you hear they're doing an all-women season? Interesting. That's interesting. Or, like, yeah. a really, really shitty version of Pumped, where, like, Pumped. there is no Ashton Kutcher. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. To come out and say that it was all a joke, and instead we just fucked everything up. Yeah. <laughs> where is he? He's too, oh, he's too busy finding child pornography. He's busy. That's yeah. true. <laughs> that is true. Is <laughs> Thank you. Ashton. Doing good work. Thank you, Ashton. Salute you. Um, all right, Nancy, put up, put him up. All right. Um, I think it's like, oh, it's like clean house. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Where she has to go in and basically try to convince borderline hoarders to uh, get rid of their stuff so yep. that they can make enough money at a yard sale that they never make enough money. That they can clean up their fucking house. So they can clean up their house, maybe, and maybe have enough money. And maybe have a normal life. And maybe have a decent, uh, decently decorated <laughs> But you never know if right. it's going to happen. This <laughs> <laughs> Nisi, save us. I mean, yeah. Nisi Nash is like a way more plausible god than Gordon Ramsay. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I like to imagine that they're just they're they're just multiple faces of the same god. Um, yeah. Same same overlord. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Um yeah. <clears throat> All right. Good game. I'm glad you reminded me that Niecy Nash exists because she's great. You're welcome. Let's uh, let's take a quick music break, and when we come back, I will talk about misinformation. Oh yeah, getting hot in here. Welcome back. Uh, we are talking about climate change. And this is Bess, uh, your information specialist. And I would like to talk to you about misinformation, how it's spread, why Americans believe it, and are so prone to believing it. And um, I want to talk about telling real journalism from propaganda. Mm-hmm. And I also want to talk about how that all plays into climate change. Um, yeah. and why climate change will be killing us soon um it's a so, very specifically american problem it, by it the way really 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 is and the current administration should should prove to you that if nothing else does like mm-hmm. so let's take a moment fuck trump uh, <laughs> and fuck bill maher i hate everything yeah anyway <clears throat> I say that um, every episode, but I mean, yeah. I hate everything. <laughs> Just all of it, everything. True. Yep. Okay, so um, just this year, there was an article published in the um, the Yale program on uh, climate communicate climate change communication. Published it in and a publication called Global Challenges Climate Change. Um, and the article is called How to Inoculate the Public Against Misinformation About Climate Change. Um, it was just published in January of this past year, 23rd. And um, 
I found it when I, I was trying to look up information about misinformation and why Americans specifically are so prone to believing misinformation about climate change, but also other science-y type things that we've talked about before on the show. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So the real thing that seems to be the issue is that when you inform someone that 97% of climate scientists say that global warming and climate change is happening, I mean, that that's just a number right? for people. Yeah, um, it's not real to them. It's not real to them. A lot of people mm -hmm. don't, don't realize that the number is that high, that it's 97%. But the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is that that number has, that number has gone down. So in the early, I want to say in the early 2000s, it was 99% of climate scientists. Wow who said that climate change was a real and present danger and that it was man-made and all this other stuff. So the conclusion that this paper came to is that the best way inoculate the public against this information mm -hmm. was, was really to just tell people that it was 97%. Oh, gotcha. Because... Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. So one of the myths that a lot of people... Like a lot of deniers say that climate change, there's no consensus about climate change, which they can say because 3% of climate experts don't think that humans are causing global right. uh, And I feel like at that point it's just semantics because we might not be causing, we, we might not be the root cause of global warming, but we are accelerating it, like George said earlier. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, and when they hear that that number is so high that it's 97%, Mm -hmm. of scientists like that would be i mean we know that like that's nothing to conspiracy theorists but like right the average person who's like oh i don't know climate change like is it real it's not snowing yeah it's you know it's you know yeah whatever it was 50 it was 60 degrees in iowa in december but that's fine that's um, yeah so um So American people are definitely, I think, more prone to believing uh, misinformation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, um, a lot of it has to do with education in this country. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the way that the education system focuses very narrowly on standardized testing. But... Um, and not, can, it, and not like... Uh, problem solving and critical thinking that's like right. and analyzing for yourself. Mm -hmm. You can only do so many, you can only do so much as an educator in this country. And I really do respect that. Right. Yeah. Um, but even in our higher education, I think that a lot of schools are failing uh, their students by not teaching them how to research. Well, research, but how to analyze sources, mm -hmm. um, which comes back to me wanting to talk about being able to tell real journalism from propaganda. Mm -hmm. um, that was a whole thing that we talked about in our What Who Voted for Donald Trump episode. Um, fake news, quote unquote, um, is propaganda, and it's exactly the opposite of what 
the current president says that it is. But that that aside, like, you know, a lot of young people and older people, I think, see like websites and they're like, this must be true. They don't take the time to look mm -hmm. at it and analyze it as a source to see where the information is coming from. Right. Um, is it in right. more than one place? And yeah. I was just thinking about um, in my health communication class where we had to like sort of learn about how to make a health behavior message that would get people to pay attention and then also to follow through and do what we were suggesting. Right. And one of the things that they we talked about is how a lot of times people who are um, sort of making up information to try to talk to people, like tell people, they yeah. are more like showman-like. They're yes. more like, oh, look at this story. Look at this drama. Look at clickbait. The yeah, they're like, they're like, oh, and here's the one thing you need to remember, and all this like showmany stuff. And then people who are like, well, the facts say something. They think that's enough. So people are really dry. They're really academic, or they're really um, like, there's too much detail, and they don't try to tap into like emotions they don't try to like this is the one thing you should remember and they don't do this is the one thing you should do like they don't right. simplify it and they don't make it like because when you tell people a bunch of like if you want total comprehension by everyone like if you're a, a wide audience right you need to not get lost in all the jargon and all the stats you need right to, climate change is happening here are five things you can do and this is why it's happening, and this is why you're doing this. Like, real easy, real simple. Yeah. Like, I remember getting really moved about climate change, not just by this presenter I had at the conference, but also hearing about the kids who are suing the U.S. government mm -hmm. uh, about climate change. And I was really moved because they had the seven-year-old boy who's the youngest defendant, or, uh, yeah, no. No. Um, Probably. Yeah, um, they had him tell his story first person about how climate change affects him. Like that's a that's perfect. You put well, a yeah. face and, with it, and you put the stats. And as, that's as we've as we've said in our past episodes, the best way to convince someone of something that's true is to give personal anecdotes because people right. will relate more to a story than they will to facts, which yeah. is which is what. Um, false information and like propaganda like Play has from the jump yeah. because that's all they have. They don't have statistics. They just have a story that they make up, which right. uh, I mean, on the flip side, like what you were saying best and Nancy about like teaching people to research sources and like analyze them and understand what they're saying is like, I, I, I just want to put this theory out here. Now you guys tell me what you think, but <clears throat> Uh, capitalism spreading to the internet and causing clickbait to be a gainful employment has definitely been fueling misinformation. Oh, oh for sure, hundred so, percent. Yes, that's why one of the ways that 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 this is going to kill us is that capitalism. Am I right, ladies? Capitalism. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because like that's how we're finding that like to to harken back to one of our other episodes. That's like Russia was using Facebook to tell Americans to vote for Trump, 
And because right. Facebook is just for profit, they don't care yep. who's on there. Yep. Yeah. That's yep. that's what happened. And speaking of Facebook, um, those the racist um, ways that they show advertisements for like housing and stuff. Yeah. Like you yeah. know that the nice housing places where it's like you know what you're seeing for there's good air quality, there's good water quality. Those are all being advertised to white people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I agree. Like it's you have to be able to spot the propaganda because it's like essential because probably the people with the real information you need are not using the same eye catching tactics. You so know? I guess then that's something that feeds into what I wanted to talk about as far as misinformation and propaganda mm -hmm. um, and even capitalism, George, which is that. Um, lobbyists uh, yeah. for companies yeah. are a really big deal uh, a really big reason as to why nothing gets done mm. um surrounding climate change um oil companies uh, and other fossil fuel companies uh, do not want us to change our habits mm. um, and they pay a lot of money to ensure that um, that doesn't happen yeah and it works because capitalism thanks works. capitalism Especially the auto industry. Like, I get that the president, President Obama, needed to bail out the auto industry because oh yeah, the economy of our state would have just like, well, it's almost completely tanked already. But you know, it was the principle of the matter. But honestly, they're contributing to climate change. He should have just let them tank. Mm. He he probably yeah. had his reasons, but you know. Well, I mean, it could have caused the collapse of our entire economy, but. Yeah, no, no, no. Other yeah. than that, they don't deserve to be bailed out because they do nothing but destroy the environment. And they're going right. To and cars depreciate as soon as you drive them off the lot. They're just like right. huge money pit. Yeah. It's like now, I don't think it's so much of a problem, but back when cars were really in their heyday, like in the 50s and the 60s, mm -hmm. um, they um, would have like built in, like, well, I mean, as with anything, it's, um, <clears throat> there's, I don't remember what you call it, but there's like a, a purposeful, like built in, um, you have to buy a new one, you know, oh, it's like, um, it's called, like, um, planned obsolescence is what yes. you're thinking of. That's it. Yeah. So that was a big thing back in like, it still is even more. Yeah, so and, right it's, and it's still, it may be to a lesser extent now, but it's oh, still no, happening. To a bigger extent. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Back then they made cars to last. You know, a car was, oh, a, was an point. investment that you were going to make. Yeah. I have to buy another car. Now they yeah. expect you to buy a new car every five to ten years. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's awful. Yeah. But if um, your car is more than ten years old, it's possible that they don't even manufacture parts for it anymore, so you have to find them used. Yep. Yeah. Uh, rolling back real quick to like political stuff, I just wanted to give a shout out to the current political um, move. Yeah, the zeitgeist in the politic political world right now around climate change. So um, our former beloved president uh, sh had shots, did shots fired uh, four days ago at the U.S. Uh, at, in a Paris talk. Mm -hmm. He gave uh, a private talk. He uh, was quoted as saying on climate change. I grant you that at the moment we have a temporary absence of American leadership on the issue, which everybody laughed. 
And he was saying how we're still on track to meet our targets as part of the Paris Agreement because a lot, a large majority of states and cities mm. are continuing forward despite not having federal leadership. Yes, um, which you know, kind of, kind of re like you know that's okay. Hoaxers, everyone out there, take that as a good thing. That's your good thing for this week. That. <laughs> state and local governments are stepping up in some ways because it makes and he said this and it's true it makes business sense because what right. found over and over again is that it is cost effective mm -hmm. for everyone to go green it really yeah. mm -hmm. so yep. at this point it's the last gasps of people who are in obsolete industries who don't want to go quietly into the night that's right. that's all it is and yeah our fucking Cheeto Fuhrer wants to make them, all those fat cats, happy. So, like, recently he disbanded the Community Resilience Panel for Buildings and Infrastructure Systems. Great. It's a, uh, for people who don't know, it's a, uh, a group that prepares cities for climate shocks. So places like Houston, New Orleans, anywhere Austin. that can be devastated by hurricanes, this commit can committee was supposed to help them um any place that can go through really bad drought or um like oh, or wildfires or like yeah. wildfires, um that are happening right now in california um and any other kind of climate event um their their this group's purpose was to help and the fuhrer cheeto fuhrer got rid of it um of course he did. so like he gets Good rid night. of everything nice that has ever yeah. happened can I, can I give you guys a dramatic reading? Sure. Yes. Dramatic readings are the best. I'm not supposed to be using hairspray, but think of it. So Obama is always talking about the global warming, that global warming is our biggest and most dangerous problem, okay? Mm. <laughs> I wonder who said that. <laughs> so can I also just say that there's a reason that we don't call it global warming anymore? Yes. And the... the uh, the term is climate change for a reason, and it's because mm -hmm. it's not just the, the overall temperature of our climate is rising, right. but, but the yeah. thing that people will see in day-to-day -day lives are just more extreme temperatures mm -hmm. yes. and more extreme shifts in temperature. Yeah. Right. And too many people were like, well, it's not warmer. Mm -hmm. going Because they're fucking assholes. Or that's fine. It can be warmer because I live in Michigan and it's... Right. You yeah, know, you know, it's just like 40 and uh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that was very good. That was good. That was great. The other thing. Oh, wait, can I do another one? Sure. <laughs> yeah. This one's kind of funny. The violence that exists in the human heart is also manifest in the symptoms of illness that we see in the earth, the water, the air, and in living things. Wait, is that the same person? No, no. <laughs> it's very ominous sounding, isn't it? Pope Francis. Oh, Francis. <laughs> like, okay. He's being cool pope. He's such an emo goth. I'm I'm not a normal pope. I'm a cool pope. Yeah. He's a cool pope. <laughs> there was something we touched on that I thought we might need to throw out to our listeners in case they didn't know what it was, and now I can't remember. Um oh uh, right now, we're the only country that says they're not going to be interested in the Paris Climate Agreement, which isn't true. Um, but oh no, it's us and two others, right? 
And two other small countries, yeah. Isn't it like Syria? Something like that. George, do you want to give everyone a crash course on the Paris Climate Agreement, or should I look up some? Um, how will we do a, a, a music break? Sure. Here's some tunes. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at all the life. There were plants and birds and rocks and things There was sand and hills and rain The first thing I met was a fly with a buzz And the sky with no clouds The heat was hot and the ground was dry But the air was full of sound I've been through the desert on a horse with no name It felt good to be out of the Um, it's basically just an agreement that's supposed to be global, that's supposed to strengthen um, all countries' ability to um, change, challenge global or climate change where it's happening in their country. And it's an agreement that will include things like limiting uh, greenhouse gas emissions, um, creating more offsets for greenhouse emissions. And by that, I mean... Um, like China is planting massive, massive swaths of uh, forests. Mm -hmm. So they're reforesting, <clears throat> which creates a huge carbon dump um, for the atmosphere, which is good because, mm -hmm. you know, plants take in carbon without oxygen. Um, and speaking of that, did you know that the massive reduction in the whale population has also impacted climate change? Really? Because whales consume like so much, you know, like mm -hmm. they're processed in the ocean uh, and their ocean oceanic processes. Like they eat such a huge amount of krill that um, by not eating that amount, their decomposing bodies release more methane oh. and things. So by whales not being around to eat the massive amounts of food that they do, it's actually increasing global warming. Oh, you're murdering whales and destroying the planet. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> anyway. The Paris Climate Agreement came out of the UN. It's the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. Yeah. And then, also, I think it's an agreement to for the countries that can. Um, they're putting more money into... Um, Green energy. That, yep, and technology advancement. And that is why Republicans don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, the environment minister of France said France has a five-year plan to ban all petrol and diesel vehicles by 2040. And they said they will no longer use coal to produce electricity after 2022. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Oh, also, did you know that in China, they have this system in big cities where they, um, everyone who has a car they alternate days that they can drive their car. That's cool. So they're not all on the road at the same time. Right. It's because it's there's not, so much smog. 
Right. And it's not enough, obviously, because there's like awful, awful air quality. Mm -hmm. But um, I just think it's a smart thing because then people carpool. Right. So, but they're thinking creatively. Like that's yeah. what they're right. going to take. It yeah. Yeah. Like, and speaking of China, when I was, when I had an internship at uh, our local environmental agency that will remain unnamed, there was another intern and she was from China. She was an, uh, an exchange student at the university. And she, we had a panel one day that some high schoolers visited and we were talking to them about being interns and environmental stewards. And she talked about how her first reaction coming to the United States was how clean the air was in our cities. Wow. And like she yeah. was like that really inspired her to pursue environmental stuff because she uh, yeah the um that's one thing that the article i read mentioned the one that was saying that the 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 southeast and eastern asia are have to lead climate change because yeah um, one of the things is that um their route to westernizing their countries um mm. has been to westernize in the same way that the west has has modernized uh -huh. dream focused on extreme building of cities and that yeah. has in turn created what George is mentioning, which is the air quality is abysmal because the populations of like India and China are much larger and mm -hmm. develop modernizing in the same way that the West has. There's um, less space proportional to the amount of people. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so like that article said, that's a big thing they have to work on is, figuring out new ways to modernize that won't um, continue to damage like the land and people's health and all that good stuff. Um, I remember what I was going to mention was, uh, I don't know, listeners are aware of um, the Our Children's Trust, I think is what it's called, but oh yeah, mm -hmm. um, I believe it's 12 or 15 kids, uh, children from the U.S., who are suing the U.S. government um, over climate change yeah. um, because mm -hmm. there's records going all the way back to the 1910s and 20s um, that we were aware of climate change. That the American, the U.S. government was aware of climate change. Um, mm -hmm. So because of that, these um, this group is suing. Um, they started in California. Um, they're suing the U.S. government on the grounds that um, children inherit our country and the earth, mm -hmm. and so yes, if they do. They are, if they're knowingly destroying their future home, um, that is grounds for um, a lawsuit. And they're really hoping it can get pretty high up, although the election of Cheeto Fuhrer really put a stopper in. Uh, yeah. yeah. But they, they're feeling good about it. So, like, the youngest plaintiff, plaintiff he's is seven the one. years old, right? Yeah, he's seven. Yeah. And then the oldest is a 17 year old girl who experienced Hurricane Sandy in New York. Um, mm. That's what really motivated her to get involved and also the little boy um is from florida and he lives in a part of florida where in his lifetime he has lost like yards and yards of area to play in near his house because oh, of the rise. yeah so that's one of the reasons they selected him um hey guys hey what what's your favorite endangered animal oh, oh. <laughs> uh -huh. Um, I didn't know. Well, I love, uh, giraffes are more endangered than I thought they were. They are threatened. That's the, the step before. 
yes. being on the list. Yep. Um, uh, polar bears. I, yeah. I love me a polar bear. And then, um, do we know, what's the status on the Yangtze River dolphin? Oh, I great don't. question. I will look. Yeah. All orangutans in Borneo are endangered. Mm. Um, let me see. You know, because I spend so much time around them, I have to say one of my favorite endangered species is the uh, piping clover. I was just going to say I saw the <laughs> clover on here. Mm-hmm. Oh, for, listener, for listeners who don't know, in Michigan, um, there is an endangered bird called the piping clover whose nesting grounds, some the only nesting grounds in the world for this bird are in located in um, northern upper peninsula and then northern southern peninsula along our great lakes the sea otter is endangered yeah and they and they migrate every year so that's even more dangerous for them um Manatees yeah, are endangered. No, I thought they were taken off the endangered list. West Indian manatee is. Oh, but what yeah. about what about you, Bess? You know, it's really it's tough because there are so many species That's now true. that are endangered or threatened because of our carelessness. Yeah, the but, whooping crane. Oh, that what? The whooping crane. No, best that what? Sorry. Oh, just that. I don't know. I don't want to pick one. Yeah, that's true. They all deserve to be saved. Exactly. Yeah, and then that's not even counting all the plant species that are endangered. Yeah. 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 The rising ocean um, temperatures. So another product of global. Uh, of climate change is um, ocean temperature increase um, because the heat doesn't dissipate in the atmosphere. So it goes into the next closest large body that will absorb heat, which is our oceans. And um, some of the Pacific islands, um, which are in the Pacific, presumably, (laughs) could could lose more than 80% of their fish because of climate change. Funny you should mention that because... um, there's a tiny, tiny country by the name of Palau mm-hmm. um, that, oh, no, wait, I can't remember. Hang so, on a second. Well, let me tell listeners. So the reason that they are going to lose 80% of their fish is that when the water temperature increases because of um, climate change, uh, the water becomes warmer, obviously, but it also holds less oxygen and it becomes more acidic. And um, then there become then there because of those changes, there's less plankton, and plankton is like the vegetable of the microbial ocean mm-hmm. world. So when there's less plankton, it's like having less grass for the ocean creatures to eat, and that means that they're gonna have less to eat, which means all up the food chain, animals are gonna be dying out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our oceans are getting warmer, and they're also rising. Um, yep. Why how are those two things connected? I forget. So, um, well, I was just going to say that there is a Pacific island country that um, is actually actively searching for a new island because in 
this lifetime, the next 70 years, their current home is going to be completely underwater. Oh my God, I remember that. Then we have to pick up and leave and find a new place to live. Um, but I was going to say, are there? huh? How many people are there? Oh, it's, it's small. It's like, I don't know. I can't remember the name of it. And it's very, really frustrating me. It's not Palau. It's, um, anyway, I'll come back to that. Um, so why is this the ocean heating up? To well, um, because wait, why is that? Why is the ocean heating up? Well, no, why is it rising? Oh, because the ice caps are melting. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> and also, <laughs> icebergs are melting. Now. I mean, that's not the only reason, but icebergs are melting too. Um, and um, but one of the sneaky ways that uh, ocean levels rising is going to kill us is that um, it contaminates our freshwater sources. So as it's stealing the land, it's also ruining our salt water or our freshwater um, water tables. Oh, great! So you're not going to have any fresh water to drink in like a ten mile inward thing of the ocean. That's exciting. That's it's great. already happening. It's already happening in like New York. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. So um, when it gets warmer, the well, the ice caps and the icebergs are melting, so the water is coming up. So people are literally not able to live in places. So like New Orleans, Miami, yeah, Miami, New York, mm -hmm. um, anywhere on the coast. The other problem about it becoming warmer in places where it used to be not as warm is that um, animals move to mm -hmm. move yeah. around because of temperature. Well, perfect. The perfect example of that is that um, ticks in Michigan are mm. worse than ever because of uh, warmer summers mm. in the south and then warmer summers up here north. So the ticks have been migrating north. And that means an increase in like Lyme disease and uh, sorry, Lyme disease, um, uh, the hantavirus. Um, all kinds of things. The actually, in the other example, also I was thinking of not to beat a dead horse, but mm -hmm. um, the spread of particular types of mosquitoes uh, further yeah. north, yeah. The carry malaria um, that carry dengue, and yep. actually, mm -hmm. it's really, really bizarre, but also um, fascinating. Um, when I went to the border, Texas and Mexico, um, they were saying that. There's a mosquito that carries um, malaria that lives on one side of the Rio Grande and never crosses further south. And there's another mosquito that lives on the opposite side that carries um, either dengue or something else, um, but never crosses to the other side. And it's very bizarre. It's just the way that the mosquito's habitat works. But as hmm. climate changes, there's a good chance that the mosquitoes will then start moving more. And that means that, you know, people who previously only had to worry about malaria now have to worry about dengue as well. Um, yeah. Oh, yay. Hey, right? guys. That's, um, that's why Zika I found a came about, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
I found a nifty little thing uh, called uh, a Mad Max name generator. Oh boy! I don't know if y'all are interested in that or. Um, I think we need to prepare. Water <laughs> scarce uh, future. By getting will be our Mad Max hellscape. Yes. Indeed. All um, right. So should we talk about Mad Max or should we do the name generator? Let's do the name generator first. All, All right. right. Hit us, All George. Right. Hit us. So this one is based on um, the letters of your name. Okay. So, so we do our fake names. I guess <laughs> oh, we should. Yeah, we'll do our fake names. <laughs> our very well, real fake it names. Can't, it can't hurt to do just our initials of our real names. Sure. Everyone who listens Unless to this knows we are anyway, guys. So. That's true. The charade, the charade is only so good. It's quite thin. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's do Nancy first. Sure. Um, let's see. You are Wagon Blood. <laughs> yes. Nice. I love it. Wait, oh, wait, no. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. You're, no, I was wrong. You're Wagon Rock. Perfect. You're Wagon Rock. Still great. All right, Bess. Yes. Um, you are lead, lead girl. Yeah. That means you survived all the nuclear explosions. I'll take it. I'm blood girl. <laughs> and last but not least, George. Moi. <laughs> I am blood rock. Nice. Nice. That's pretty metal. <laughs> I love it. Good job, Blood Rack. Thanks. Um, so, Mad Max Fury Road, in case our listeners haven't heard of it and somehow, to our great despair, have never seen it, mm -hmm. um, is a reboot, but like reimagined of the no, old Mad Max. It's not. It's a, it's a sequel. It's, it's a, a continuation. Sequel. A continuation. What have you. Of the Mad Max franchise from the 80s, 70s and 80s. Um, and basically, it's a dystopian future uh, where the Earth's resources have been almost completely depleted. And um, it's like lawless, like anarchy. And the main story is that... The few and the powerful hold all the resources, if that rings about. Including the water. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially the water. So basically, um, Tom Hardy is Mad Max, and he um, is captured by these. What's the name of the group? I forget. I don't know. Witness me. Yeah, <laughs> they have this group. This this group of road warriors who like have a big empire and a lot of water, and it's ruled over by this misogynistic, awful freak freak um who is um his like, name is immortan joe yes. and my uh this is just a fun tidbit about my life listeners my landlord's name is joe and so in my phone my landlord is landlord <laughs> joe. that's i just can't that's all i think of him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. have a last name <laughs> nope um, um so suffice <laughs> it to say in this movie this misogynist has been keeping these five women, five, whatever, women uh, captive, and um, they, they escape. escape. And they They're do, with the help of, uh, what's her name? Mad Max Furiosa. Furiosa. 
played yeah, by but the actress. Her, um, Charlie Theron. Charlie Theron. That's it. Thank you. Um, and it's pretty. And um, yeah, and they kick ass, and it's great. And so that's one it, of our recommendations. Go watch that. Yeah, and in it, they all have crazy names, and they have a whole like kind of different language because it's the future, and they're a different right. society. And, and I'm Blood Rock. Yeah. And I am, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and um, that's, yeah, we think about that a lot because it's a very uh, pretty realistic dystopia. Yeah. yeah. Um, More so than the Hunger Games, I would say. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, it's mostly, it's just different. Well, I don't know. I think we're like the Hunger Games right now. And then it progresses into Mad Max. That's true. I agree. The, the, because Fury Road is way more uncivilized than the the Hunger Games. Mm. All right. Here's another fun game. List other ways the world could end that are statistically less likely than climate change. Oh, yes. Yeah. You have a giant meteor. Actually, um, no, I can't say that. <laughs> the overall probability of human extinction before 2100, what do you guys think it is? Climate change? No, no, no. Like the percentage? Yeah, the percentage likelihood of human extinction before 2100. Oh. Just the overall probability. I was always really shitty at stats, but I'm going to mm-hmm. say something like um, 80%. It's actually 19. Okay. Whoa. I was okay. off, but that's fine. <laughs> I was okay. going to say 50%. You were going to say 50? Mm-hmm. It's 19. Mm. So they break it down. And this is what they break it down into. Uh, molecular nanotechnology weapons, super okay. intelligent AI. Well, I wasn't worried about that first one, but now I am. Sure. Super intelligent AI. Listen, we talked about this. We no, no, the yeah. first one. The first one, the nanobots. Molecular oh, yeah. nanotech weapons. That I wasn't worried about, but now I am. Um, and then we have super intelligent AI, uh, non-nuclear wars. Engineered yeah. pandemic, mm. nuclear wars, nanotechnology mm. accident, mm. natural pandemic, nuclear terrorism. So has nuclear war gone up in the last like year? Has the percentage? I don't know. Probably. Well, this was the source of this data was from two thousand eight. So oh, probably. Um, but they were calculating before the year 2100. Um, so there's wait, a lot of time between them they, and now. They forgot about yeah, the rise. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Bess. I was just going to say they could never have predicted. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, they forgot about the mandroids. <laughs> so that's very different than intelligent AI. That's <laughs> true. That's people being turned into bots. It's mandroids. What about the eugenics wars? That's true. Those did happen in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what percent likelihood do you guys think nuclear wars? 100%. Uh, 50% again. It's 1%. Okay, but that has gone That was in 2008. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Um, What about mm, super intelligent AI? 
um, we've like, talked about this. It's pretty low. Point five percent. That's <laughs> Are close five percent? Mm. Huh? That seems kind of high. Yeah. Well, talk to 2008 Future of Humanity Institute. Um, maybe Those I will. <laughs> Those fucking naive fools. <laughs> Let's see. The risk of extinction due to climate change or accidental nuclear war or a meteor could be higher than your likelihood of dying in a car crash. Um, all right. Can we do another music break? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And we're back. All right. Hello. Now is the part of the show where we see if we answer the question. We give you some tasks as our minions to carry out. And we discuss other ephemera. All right. Mm-hmm. So first up, did we answer the question? I think we did. I mean, kind of. I'll give us partial points. Yeah. How so? I mean, I don't think we really said how it was going to kill us all. Oh, I said that we were going to die of all those health-related things. Oh, that's legit. Okay, yeah. Then yeah, From, from kind of, And the oceans will rise, so we might drown. Um, and too hot might, to- it'll, it'll contaminate all our water, so we die of thirst. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Break. Okay, never mind. We did good. <laughs> or the weather will change so much that it'll be like the day after tomorrow. Uh, that movie gave me nightmares as a child. It's very poorly done. <laughs> no, that's why I said child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's tell recom- Let's tell our listeners what to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's our favorite part of this. Yeah, that's- I mean that's really why we got into podcast. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so listeners, my recommendation for you. Um, there is a website I want you to check out called www.skepticalscience.com. It's specifically about global warming skepticism and how to be skeptical about skeptical about global warming skeptics essentially is what they're saying they are. So basically they're, they're teaching you how to fight misinformation in regards to climate change. Um, And it's a really great site. It has a, a bunch of different languages. Um, it talks about the most the most used climate mi- change myths and why they're wrong. Um, and it was really helpful to me when I was researching for this episode. So check it out. www.skepticalscience.com Nice. Nice. I have a few recommendations. 
So, um, actually, Nancy and I watched last night. Oh, uh, yeah, we watched Deep Hi Deep Water Horizon, the Ooh. movie produced by Mark Wahlberg in 2016. Um, and I know, I know what you're thinking. It's Mark Wahlberg, but um, well, Nancy informed me that it, it's actually based on a very intense, in-depth New York Times article about the incident. So for those of you who don't know, Deepwater Horizon is the drilling rig that exploded off the coast of Louisiana back in 2010. Yeah. Um, oil, so, right? Yes. And, um, you know, like I said before, it's the human stories that get people to believe things. This, if you don't think that oil, like oil drilling and all of that is not horrific and awful, then this movie will change your mind because it's so intense um it's like a blow by blow in of in, what happened what happened so you see you watch people get injured and yeah but also yeah. you see the chain of decision making that led to it and it uh definitely sheds light on how oil companies operate hmm. um yeah and then my other, another recommendation I have is a documentary, an actual documentary. So that's your human part of it, but your documentary part of it um, is a documentary called Chasing Ice. And it, um, hold on a sec. It is a award-winning documentary on climate change. It was created by James Balog and his team on the Extreme Ice Survey. Um, and they chronicled the change of glaciers and the mm. Arctic Circle and Antarctic ice shelf. Um, and it's quite emotional. Um, and it, that, and then something my glaciology professor said to us. Yes, I had a glaciology professor <laughs> in school. Um, he said that, because he's been to lots of these glaciers in Antarctic, and he said, you know, Glaciers start feeling like they're living things. Mm. They have dynamics. They change. They move. They just have personalities. So when you see them start to shrink and, you know, quote, unquote, die, it's a very moving, upsetting thing. Right. And it, I don't know. It's just a very interesting and different way to look at ice and, you know, what our environment consists of. That's my other recommendation. And then um, I, I know I always go for the bigger ones, but, you know, everybody can do something. And I'm not saying that, like, only you can do something because, let's face it, this entire problem is based on capitalism. So corporations um, have the most right. impact and the most responsibility. Right. But I'm saying, you know, it, it you can start at your workplace or you could start at, you know – your kid's school or your college or wherever, because like, it doesn't take much, like tell people to stop using K cups or use reusable K cups or, you know, start a garden or like start recycling. Like, yeah, it's not. And because it's not as much the impact you're actually having because spoiler alert, you're not having that big of an impact, but it's the psychological because this is also a very heavy burden psychologically for people to handle, like everybody yes. who cares about it. So, you know, it's not awful to give yourself something to focus on because there's a lot we can't control with climate change. So, yeah. And my piggybacking off of George would be 
get if you can get politically active mm -hmm. as much as possible because our our government can impose um if they want to which right now is seemingly no they don't want to but if they want to they can impose things on these industries and these companies who are insistent on destroying the planet and they can tell them that they cannot and should not mm -hmm. do those things don't vote for people who want corporate tax breaks don't vote mm -hmm. for people who think that yeah because they're getting all this extra money that they're just pocketing yep. from destroying the earth so that they can put it back into their company that's mm -hmm. destroying the earth so don't don't vote for horrible business practices because that's where it starts and then support indigenous people um, yes in their act against climate change but also just in general you know like they, they support things like the Dakota access yep. protesters. Um, just like, you know, if we can work as a big group, we can tell companies that we don't want this shit, that we don't want them to destroy the earth. Um, and also on a smaller level, using air conditioning is surprisingly bad for the environment. So try mm -hmm. to pick out the heat if you can um, in cooler places where it doesn't get too hot. Um, and try to buy an electric car if you're in the market for one. Um, donate to reputable charities that work against climate change. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, there's lots of stuff to feel like you're taking some control of the situation. Mm -hmm. I wanted to give a short shout out back to one of our old episodes in the sense that it's connected to this one. And while we've already mentioned Cheeto Fuhrer, we'd like to have the humorous shout out to the fact that... Uh, <laughs> A nominee he had for a judge, like somebody he yeah. wanted to place in a high court, yeah. is also a paranormal expert and presumably a horrible lawyer. So Yay. Um, he's actually technically never tried a case in his life. Like he's oh. never he's never actually done any lawyering, for lack of a better term. Nice. Fucking hell. Um He's, uh, uh, the BBC writes, Trump picks Ghost Hunter to be federal judge. I mean, you. wouldn't you? Huh? Uh, Brett Talley, 36 years old, a lifetime post is an Alabama federal judge. This, this Wash Post, Washington Post article title is Law Clerk by Day, Ghost Hunter by Night, Now Trump's Judiciary Nominee. Wait, I'm confused. He's a 36-year-old person, and Trump wants to give him a lifetime appointment? Uh-huh, that's why, because he's 36. Mm, nice. He maintains a horror blog online. <laughs> Is he going to keep maintaining it when he's judge? Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> he was also unanimously deemed not qualified by the American Bar Association. <laughs> well, gee, what a surprise. Uh, All right. Does anyone have anything else to add? I think it's oh, time for a hometown hoedown throwdown. Make up your mind. Decide to walk with me around the lake tonight. Around the lake tonight by my side. By my side. 
<clears throat> All right, we're back. Ned likes no. Ned likes that song. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you just oh. missed a, a really great um, feud, listeners. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, you might be wondering what three um, small town ladies from Michigan might have uh, to say to you about climate change and poor business practices on the part of uh, oil companies. <laughs> And uh, what we would say to you is that, um, oh God, what year was it? It's been six years. Are you <sighs> fucking kidding me? It's been 2010. It also happened in 2010. That's it? Wait, yeah. it happened in 2010? I thought it happened before then. Uh, Let me look. Well, no, because this article was written in 2016 and it says, here's a look at the last six years of the oils. Book. Yeah, it was July 2010. Anyway, <sighs> so, so what we're talking in- about... July of 2010, in our beautiful hometown of scenic Battle Creek, Michigan, there was uh, an oil spill in the Kalamazoo River. There is a pipeline that runs through the Kalamazoo River, operated by Enbridge, which is a company, Mm -hmm. Um, and a six-foot-long break in the pipeline resulted in one of the largest inland oil spills in U.S. history. Um, The entire area smelled like gasoline it was horrifying i could could smell it at our parents house i could smell it from we live like 20 minutes from the river lots of people volunteered to help clean it up but i can tell you right now that there are still booms on the river today Mm -hmm. to try to clean up some of the oil now the Mm -hmm. main issue and reason that it's been you know now um seven years since it was since it happened and it's still not cleaned up, is because this was an oil sands pipeline. Oh, dun dun dun! Yeah, a state of emergency was declared the day after, and then our governor declared it a state of disaster. Um, they had to oh, evacuate yeah. people thirty to yeah. like thirty to fifty homes north and north. People who lived right on the river, um, they couldn't be in their homes because of the fumes. Um, by the by, that was the day Nancy and I's family went on vacation, so we actually didn't experience any of this. It was terrible. But it actually happened the day we were leaving, so we got, like, when we were leaving the house, we were like, why does it smell like that? It smells horrible. It smells like oil. And our parents yeah. were like, get in the car, get in the car. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So According to this, it spilled... 877,000 gallons to a million gallons of yep. oil. So Into the, the Kalamazoo River. Yep. The EPA said on the September 30th that they, in their initial cleanup, cleaned up 760,000 gallons of oil. Mm-hmm. But that was just first go around. Yep. So I also want to say that there wasn't a settlement until 2016. Yeah. Um, Enbridge, the company, paid $177 million in penalties and improved safety measures in a settlement with the EPA and the U.S. Justice Department. So this didn't even get closure until last year, as far as the safety of the pipelines that mm-hmm. still exist in the Kalamazoo River. Yep. Um, there was a an investigation um, into what happened and why the pipeline, mm-hmm. you know, broke. But I also would then point out that this particular incident is why the three of us have person have a personal stake in blocking the Keystone Pipeline and mm-hmm. uh, lots of other different pipelines that 
Yep. People try to propose because we know that they're not safe. No. Yeah. Um, and in my yeah. in my researches about pipelines, it doesn't matter how safe they think they've made the pipelines. The fact that they're carrying the soil and that they might be carrying them anywhere near human populations and wildlife populations is dangerous. It doesn't matter how many safeguards you have, how well you construct these pipes. It's still a danger. Oh my God. So I'm reading this and I didn't even know this, but so in a report, the national transportation safety review board. So like George was saying, transportation overseas pipeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The national transportation safety review board in 2012 released their final analysis and they've stated that Enbridge and federal regulators missed opportunities to prevent or lessen the impact of the oil spill. Yep. 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 They knew for five years before the pipeline ruptured yep. that there were cracks in the section of the pipeline yep. that eventually failed. Yep. And once the spill happened, employees and spill responders acted like a troop of Keystone cops, said huh? the chairwoman. Everyone huh? is running around, running into each other, not knowing exactly what was the real problem. I do oh, remember please. that it took, it took them days to get it to stop leaking. Yeah. Um... I remember, and I mean, the pipeline was what forty years old. Mm -hmm. Old. They oh. eventually decided not to uh, inspect it when they realized there were cracks in it initially. No. Yeah, it said the accident was the result of multiple mistakes and missteps by Enbridge. It said it was caused by multiple small corrosion fatigue cracks in the pipe mm -hmm. that grew in size linked together and created a rupture over 80 inches long that when because they're unwilling to shut down the pipelines in order to perform maintenance because yes they don't want to stop pumping the oil right which means time loss which means revenue lost which yeah so this was a stakeholders don't like that yeah. Wow. So this was a tar sands pipeline and they uh, if that's the kind that the Keystone XL pipeline proposed is um, and it's a real issue because when it when it leaks, because it will, what happens is that the, the, the tar sands sink to the bottom of the body of water that it's leaked into. Mm -hmm. um, and that makes it a million times harder to clean. Mm -hmm. Usually when there's an oil spill that doesn't involve tar sands, you know, the oil flows on the top of the water, you can yeah. use spoons to clean it. Mm -hmm. um, but when it's tar sands, it sinks and contaminates the water yeah. Um, and you underneath, have, you have to dig up the entire riverbed. Yep, to clean it. That's um, the only way you can clean it. So this is fucking awful. So there was also inadequate training of control center personnel. Alarm huh, sounded. Yeah. Alarm <laughs> sounded for seventeen hours after the rupture happened. Over yep. three shifts, and controllers didn't realize there was a spill until somebody all the way downstream in Marshall said there was oil in the river. Yep. yep. Because it started, um, you, it started by Sarasco. It's all recommendations. There's no regulation. Oh my God! The workers at the control center thought the alarms were signaling a usual problem they saw: column separation. So they did the fix that's required for column separation, which is restarting the pipeline twice, which increased the amount of oil leaving the crack. LOL. By eighty percent. <laughs> Lo, 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 lo. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we need to cut this off before we get any angrier. 
At the end, local safety dispatchers were receiving 911 calls about the smell of gas in Marshall, and there was no way for local law enforcement agencies to contact the pipeline operators. Mm. So the police didn't even tell the pipeline people about the problem. Why? They just didn't oh, have their well. numbers? It's the fucking internet. You can't Google that shit. Like, apparently not. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's going to do it for Hometown Hoedown Throwdown. Woo! Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you well, for tuning in to our 10th episode of the Triple Hoax. Can you tell us where they can find us on the web, Bess? I certainly can. You can find us in many different places. You can find us on Facebook at the Triple Hoax Podcast. <laughs> you can find us on Tumblr at the Triple Hoax. We're on Twitter at the Triple Hoax. And um, you can email us at the Triple Hoax at gmail.com. Um, also, please find us on iTunes and rate us five stars and leave us a nice review. Tell us uh, why pipelines make you angry. Yeah, tell us why. Tell us why you hate capitalism and oil. Um, also on SoundCloud and Podcast yep. Addicts. Yes. Yes. Or Stitcher and, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes. All right. So we'll catch you next time. Uh, bye. Bye. bye.